Hello and welcome to a special edition of Talking TV. In the month when the BBC Trust is poised to make an initial decision on BBC Three's future, we're going to put the youth channel in the spotlight. Joining us will be Jimmy Mulville and John Thoday, the two prominent producers who have campaigned vociferously against plans to move BBC Three online. They'll explain why shows like The Revolution Will Be Televised should remain well televised and make the case for alternative visions for BBC Three's future. You won't want to miss a moment. So we're sat outside Broadcast Towers, aptly right near the uh, the Silicon Roundabout in Old Street. Uh, and I'm pleased to say we're joined by the managing directors of Hattrick Productions and Avalon Entertainment, uh, Mr. Jimmy Mulville and John Thoday. Welcome, chaps. Hi. Hello. I sat outside enjoying the ambiance. It's very wow. interesting, yeah. Uh, it's very cool. A bit too cool for people like me and John, I think. <laughs> we're not cool at broadcast, but uh, we do our best, at least. Should we get stuck in? Yes. yes go for um, it. We're expecting a preliminary decision on BBC Three's future uh, from the BBC Trust imminently. Mm-hmm. Do you think you guys have done enough? Well, we don't know. We, we, we feel that the fact that 800 people have signed up to the notion that it's a huge mistake is, is a big move forward. It begs the question, is, is, is we're going to find out whether the Trust has been open-minded from the very beginning. Because clearly one of the perceptions was that there was so, there was so little written or, or talked about this closure of BBC Three that people assumed six months ago that it was a done deal. If you spoke to most people in the industry, they thought, well, it's going to happen, they're going to shut it down. And, and it was only, I think, because John and I began to organise public events and, and reach out into the wider community that people actually were horrified when they realised, well, no decision's been made, and, but they are kind of shutting it down anyway by taking off the best programmes, reducing the investment, which they deny, which, but, but they are doing. Um, Currently, in they're terms still, of reducing yeah, the investment Well, apparently they put a bit more money in into future. commissioning factual. But, I mean, this channel now, since they announced the closure last March, it's lost 25% share. That's because they haven't been putting programming on it that attracts a good audience. The uh, Walking Dead, as, as David uh, Elstein yeah, described. Is yeah. that, would, would you go along with that description? I wouldn't say it was The Walking Dead, but I think Not they've yet. done everything they can to de- deconstruct it before <coughs> they've got permission to close it. Your question was, have we done enough? I think the, the real question should be, has the BBC done enough to tell the public and the industry exactly what they're doing, why they're doing it, and what the implications are. And I think the answer to that is absolutely not. Since we've been doing this, we've mainly come across people, many people who didn't even know BBC Three was closing. So I think that the BBC's got an obligation to the licence payer to make sure that everybody in the UK knows that they're planning to deconstruct something which cost a billion pound to construct. Does that responsibility fall on the trust as well? I mean, there were some complaints during the time the consultation was open that it wasn't accessible to young viewers there wasn't enough mention of it on twitter well and i think the like fact that. that the fact that in our travels we found many many people who did, who knew nothing about it the responsibility has to lie with the trust who are running the public consultancy you can't consult with the public if they don't know something's closing we found out about the the consultancy by accident yeah Actually, we phoned up to find out when it was closing because it wasn't clear when the window of public value testing was from. And, and clearly, the management gave them their proposal in late December when the industry is about to go off on holiday for at least two weeks. I mean, a lot of people in our, in our business, as you know, they drift back during January. They, you know, they take a few extra days off. And so it's not until the second week of January that people are fully back at work in this industry. Well, that's halfway through the 
the, the, the PVT window. That's halfway through the con consultation period. And we felt the consultation period should have been three times longer than that, and they should have cast their net much wider. It was only when we really forced our way into the trust you know, by saying, look, we need a meeting with Rona Fairhead. She's about to meet the people from Scripps about them possibly talk, you know, talking about taking over the whole of UK TV. That's a foreign media company. Why, why isn't she meeting a couple of you know, UK independents? We then, to have credit, got a meeting with her, but we complained bitterly that, that we felt that they've been talking to the wrong people. They've been talking a lot to bro other broadcasters about the future of BBC Three. Well, of course they're going to say, shut BBC Three down. It's their rival. And we said, it's why are you talking to other independent producers? Yes, they had a submission from Pact, but that was a, a, you know, a technical submission. What they needed to talk to was, was people on the ground, working in the industry, who knew their stuff. And eventually we got these 800 luminaries. You, know, you saw the list of people that we got. And, and, and that's why we said, you know, we've said to the BBC, you find your 800 people of that calibre who agree with you that BBC Three should shut down and open online. Okay, just to pick up your point, the BBC confirmed the decision to move BBC Three online, I think in March last year. Yeah. At what point did you guys come together and think, we need to do something here? Well, well more or less immediately after that, it, it crossed my mind that no media company in the world that had a channel that was growing, particularly one that appealed to young people, which is what all broadcasters crave for, could just wake up one day and shut something down. So I, I was meeting Jimmy for breakfast and perhaps to talk about other things and then I, I said that to him and I, and I said perhaps what we should do is buy it if the BBC don't want BBC Three we should buy it because we were, we were and it turned out we were both appalled at the idea that they were shutting it because having lived through the years of investment and the, as I say a billion pounds on BBC Three plus the money they spent on Freeview the BBC invested in Freeview in part so its digital channels could reach 98% of the, of the country which BBC Three does and online doesn't and by the way, you know, I went to this briefing and a lot of the time was spent in Damien Cavanagh. This is the comedy briefing yes. this week. And D Damien Cavanagh is a perfectly, you know, decent chap trying to do his job, trying to sell this idea. But spent a lot of the time kind of, in a way, criticising BBC Three as a TV channel. So it's full of repeats. It doesn't reach the right. You know, we don't, we're not targeted enough. This is a thriving channel. Channels are not going out of business. AMC this week have announced they're going to open a channel in the UK. Murdoch is interesting in opening channels. As Henry Normal said, you know, if, if it was such a good business plan that you shut down TV channels and you open up online only channels, Murdoch would have been doing it years ago. The fact is, there's, not, there's no business model there. Mm. Um, somebody at the event said they've spoken to Makers, um, the studio. The studios, yeah. And they just done a huge deal with Disney that's worth half a billion. And they're spending it on getting their content, guess where? On television because their new business model now is content provided f for linear tv and online and social media but linear tv is at the heart of it it's driving it just going back to when you guys decided to get together and uh, and start uh, to get your message out there that you disagreed with this decision uh, obviously you announced that you were going to make a bid for bbc3 yes uh, and that created a lot of noise. There's no doubt about that. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of headlines. We certainly <coughs> reported it a number of times. But do you accept now that that message perhaps muddled what you're trying to achieve, no. which is no, not absolutely not. No. The, the, the truth is that it, it seemed complete common sense that if uh, organisation, particularly a public organisation, had an asset that it decided it didn't want, 
that an offer to buy it would be something that, that organisation would take with open arms. We, we thought when we went to them they'd want £100 million. So the motive has always been to save BBC Three, but as they were so unequivocal, we didn't realise what the process was when we first started, so they were completely unequivocal about the fact they were, they were closing it, so it seemed logical you could buy it. People buy and sell channels all the time, so we, we don't think that muddled it at all in that we, we actually think it brought people to think about it. Because when we then went on our journey, and we, we worked a lot behind the scenes before it was public with the, to, to try and persuade the BBC both to change their mind or if they wouldn't change their mind to consider alternatives. We only went public when they, when they refused to listen to any of those things. So the, the, the notion that it muddled it, I don't think that's true. I think it focused the mind. Had we gone in and said, please don't close it down, we think it's a lovely channel, we would have been caricatured as well-meaning fools because what what happens then is they start explaining as if they're expert of why things need to be closed down what we're saying is we get it it's an asset you no longer want in the real world you realize value for your shareholders in this case for your license fee payers you get some return on investment and you keep the channel open which is good for uh, investment in the independent sector it's actually good for the BBC considering they're about to convert their in-house production team into a commercial studio you keep the market open for them it seemed to us like a virtuous circle. And what struck us was that they hadn't really... We spoke to UKTV, for example. At no stage did the BBC executive consult with their partners in UKTV the possibility of placing BBC Three as a young, young adult-skewed uh, channel in the nest of other channels at UKTV, which would have made, I think an interesting thing to explore. Didn't explore that. Didn't explore the idea of maybe going to the government and saying, look, we can't afford to run this. We think it's a good channel. Maybe we should turn it into ad funding. You m might want to call it something else, but run it along the channel four lines. Not, not profit making, pouring money back into the channel, or you sell it. Now, I think what happened was we got a lot of good press, a lot of bad press. We got some people being hysterical about you can't sell off the BBC. But if the BBC is about to enter into a world in the 21st century where it's going to be commercial when it wants to be and public service when it wants to be, then it seems to us that philosophically at a deep level it was something the BBC should explore and they haven't explored but it. But you don't think it was an issue that people were talking about the feasibility of the bid rather than your, well, real, rather than your real message, which was we need to rescue well, the I think, that, I about think yeah. that the bottom line was when we first started, we assumed that it was correct that they were doing it because they were short, to save money. It was only as we looked into it, we discovered, A, that it was a, it was a potentially commercially viable channel, B, that closing it down wasn't actually going to save any money. When we discovered that there was no saving of the money, it became absolutely clear that getting, you know, 800-plus people on board to say stop to the BBC was completely the right way to go. But the BBC I, still says it will save money, £50 million the, the pounds a year. The BBC says, says it will save money, but... They haven't shown us how. They're taking that money, they're spending it on BBC One. They said they needed to save money. Their idea is to launch BBC One Plus One, which will cost, cost money, money and take money away from programmes and take some of the other supposed savings and add it to drama on BBC One, a channel which appeals to 58 Plus. Right, so the it's, it's moving money around. It's not actually saving oh, what's money. Interesting so is the, but the point is that if if the case is that they need to save money then it is obvious that they should sell it or put it into a special purpose vehicle or give it to UKT or whatever they should save it because a billion pounds has been spent on it the notion that you cannot buy and sell a TV channel is ridiculous it happens all the time 
And if the case is that they're not going to save any money, which we believe it is, then it should be kept open. They shouldn't be reducing the spend on programming for young people. It's a huge mistake. Which is your preferred model? Oh, you've, you've set like out the, we want them to keep it open. Just keep it we open. Want to keep it open. So you're not, you're not fussy about a, a, how they do that? We absolutely no. want it kept open. Our, our motivation is to keep the channel open. That's we, we think that the BBC shutting down the place where you can launch TV shows for young people and for an audience of the future is is BBC Three. They've spent money to, to launch it. It works incredibly well and it should be kept. In fact, we think they should spend more money on programmes for young people and diverse audiences, not less. Do you think uh, a cynic might look at what you guys are doing and say, here's two incredibly successful businessmen mm-hmm. trying to keep open one of their best routes to market? What's wrong with that? It's, it's, it's absolutely... <laughs> I, mean, well, I, think it, I think the cynical person is the person that says that we're being cynical. Right. <laughs> because obviously, we supply... Pro- we, we, our job is to grow new TV shows, right? But where, well, the truth is, but where, where does your motive come the, from? The is, it, is, is it from the, well, is it the business case the or is it, the, is my, it the passion in, in my, for, for in, young audiences? All right, in my, in my business plan, BBC Three does appear, but it's not my main customer by a long way. But it's an interesting place for me to grow young talent and get new ideas away and new writing away. And I'm interested in doing that because I know I need to future-proof my business. The BBC should be on the same page as me. They should be future-proofing themselves in terms of broadcast television. But also, we, we passionately believe in UK-produced TV. And for UK-produced TV to thrive, whether culturally and for business, right, you have to have a place where you can launch TV shows. Mm. BBC Three is that place. It disappears. It's gone forever, right? It disappears, ITV2 reduces its spend on new programming. It disappears, Channel 4 reduces its spend on new programming. It's a disaster for British broadcasting. So whether you are entirely coming at it from a cultural point of view or coming at it from a business point of view, it makes no sense at all. And you don't think that talent would have the same platform online? Well, when you consider, no, well, there's no evidence. Look at the, the market. Is there no evidence? Well, I mean, you look at YouTube look, and YouTube. The YouTube appeals to YouTubers, just like comedy clubs appeal to stand-up comedians. Make their journey through a comedy club. They grow. They can often grow a live audience in comedy clubs. They cannot fund doing a movie or doing a TV series in a comedy club. YouTubers, what do they produce? They produce self-produced material which don't require public public funding or commercial funding they can do it themselves there's no need for the bbc to do that and then when they've done that what do they do they want to be on tv they want to make tv shows that's why all the key businesses that have come out of youtube are wanting to be in linear tv look at jamal edwards who runs sbtv he's now talking to broadcasters about getting his content online he was approached by danny cohen to be an an ambassador for bbc3 online and he said to Danny, I don't need to do that. I'm already online. I have a really good online channel. I want to be on television. You know, and the same goes for, for, um, you know, for, for Vice. They just want to deal with A&E. We, you know, if you look at the market, what the market's doing right now, SVT, the BBC of Sweden, has, you must know this, has just recently closed down SVT Flow. SVT Flow is the equivalent of BBC Three Online. It's an online-only entertainment comedy channel. They've shut it down. It confused the audience and nobody watched. But you were right in saying that people like Zoella, who has you know, made a significant name for herself via YouTube, is now being put forward for TV shows. And, yes. and yes. people like Danny Cohen are welcoming, welcoming her into their schedules. Yeah. But 
that doesn't take away from the fact that she is a star in her own right and making lots of money for the people that when when Eddie Izzard became a star in theatres right it didn't it didn't mean that the (coughs) TV channels of the world started building some theatres in case they found another another Eddie Izzard right what they did is they persuaded him eventually to do television and Danny talks about changing the platform we're just changing the platform we're just changing the platform no they're not they're reducing funding The, the point about it is that the way you get television whether it be from linear to online is becoming less and less important but the way you promote tv is becoming more and more important so places where you're able to launch something properly funded are incredibly valuable bbc3 is one of those places on the bbc it's probably the only place where a new show with new talent has a chance of succeeding and let me tell you about bbc marketing when you launch a new show launching a, a new show on bbc one for example you will have to sometimes struggle to get a high-profile marketing plan because you're vying for time with so much other programming going on. Do you think for a minute that some piece of content that costs £60,000 is going to have the same kind of weight and leverage as a drama costing £1.2 it, it won't get promoted. Yes, they've got other platforms they can, they can promote on. But the truth is that the amount of money that Netflix spends on its promotion actually dwarfs the BBC's three online entire budget. If you're promoting a new TV show, the place you want to promote it is on BBC Three because there are a lot of young viewers watching BBC Three. And if you put a new TV show online, just it's isolated, it's an on-demand situation, it's no longer linear, who's going to watch it if there isn't a star in it? Do you accept all the evidence that suggests that there are changing viewing habits in the UK and worldwide because it feels like you're suggesting 94% the, 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 no sure look, I accept I agree but linear 94%, television is still very strong 94% people but there watch is BBC. a lot of evidence that says viewing habits are changing well, the, and B- people are consuming content viewing in habits, different ways uh, yeah, it, and, the, and the BBC said itself in it's this but, case but, that this is five years too early four to five well, then years why are they I think doing it? so why are they doing <laughs> it why are they doing it well that means no, I'm not five years, I'm not here to five years is probably yeah. five generations of new talent lost to the UK. But let's, let's, the, 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 the BBC, the BBC cannot afford Danny that. The BBC cannot afford in five years' time, if Danny Cohn has got it wrong, to look back of having launched no new television shows okay. and the age of the people watching the main part of the BBC to have got even older. They can't afford that. That will be a disaster for the next charter renewal. But mm. how about I put it this way? Children who are watching CBBC now... Mm. Do they consume content like we do? I don't think they do. Those will be the BBC Three viewers in five, six years' time, won't mm-hmm. they? And if BBC Three is established and thriving online... That's a big if. Like, no, but I the point that. is, but it the, is established. It is, it is thriving linearly, right? There's no question. Everyone agrees with that. And closing it down doesn't save any money, right? It takes some money and gives it to older viewers, fine. But it doesn't save any money. So... If he is wrong, it's a disaster. He doesn't need to do it. The money needs to be put into programming, not into a new service. They haven't even said what the cost of launching the new service will be. There's nothing about that in any of any of their submissions. Nowhere does it say what the cost of launching a new... Now, we know that Netflix, Amazon, Hulu have cost billions of dollars yeah. to make some progress. The BBC are talking about spending... The amount they spend, frankly, on promoting a show how, let alone making how it you get the, how you distribute it these days is irrelevant the BBC actually the acronym should be BCC now it should be British Content Corporation it's all about the content how good is the content and the truth is if you're going to 
slice your budget in half and then spend the, the half of the amount of money you spend on young adult programming, you're going to suffer in quality and quantity. So you are going to diminish the offer to the young adult audience. That's what we're talking about. There's Do you no, think no the one is denying... And they are absolutely saying that they're reducing the spend <laughs> on content for young people, right? Part of what you spend on, on content is how you promote it. They're also reducing the promotion because online doesn't even reach the same people that Linear does. It doesn't reach the, the number. And it's off, it is known that the cost of reaching an online viewer is higher than reaching a Linear viewer. We know that Ofcom have told the trust in, in its market impact document because the BBC that's how they that's how they kind of if you they evaluate their their worth it's the the cost of reaching each viewer is higher if you put the offer online I mean that can't make any sense it's they're supposed to get value for money for the license fee so you need to get to as many people as possible for the least money not for the most money and your point Jake about you know them saying it was too soon it was funny because we were talking there about the initial statements of regret with utmost regret this is probably too soon. We've been forced into this situation. Well, they even agree but, with us. But they've changed the narrative now, which is as a positive move. We're being bold. We're being innovative. Because obviously yeah. some spin doctor it, said, for goodness sake, oh, it changed change the narrative. It's not the bold or innovative. It yeah. is in no way bold or innovative to reduce the spend on young people. The rhetoric has definitely changed from the BBC. I think. But it's rhetoric. That, 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 that goes, I'm glad we both agreed that it mm, is yeah. rhetoric. Is that dangerous? Has it, is that going to be... Is that, do, you, do you think that's misleading audiences? Because it what, started what? out as my we need fear to make is, these cuts my fear is up they've the done government. a smoke and mirrors act on the trust, who are people of a certain age, and from a certain class, and they think yes, young people online they do that online stuff, don't they? My fear is that the trust have bought that particular piece of false currency, which is my son watches on his computer. He's often watching highly produced premium content made originally for linear TV channels, Family Guy, South Park, Big Movies, Russell Howard. You know, these are shows that have actually got some money behind them and some marketing behind them. You know, you talk to advertisers. We've, we've spoken to people who run huge av global advertising companies. They say TV is still the best way of marketing a product, whether it's an advert, whether it's, a, whether it's soap powder or a television program. Mm. It's a very efficient way of getting of getting your message out there. And online is a different environment. Netflix spend a lot more on their marketing than on their originations. What do you make of Danny Cohen's argument that the BBC only serves young audiences through BBC Three? Uh, that, that notion is ridiculous. Well, he used the word ghettoized, which is an interesting word to use. He said, it is ridiculous to say that, uh, BBC, that young audiences are ghettoized on BBC Three. I'm paraphrasing now. BBC One has many more young viewers. Well, the truth is, BBC Three Online will be a ghetto, a very, very small ghetto. The fact is that, of course, you get young people watching the World Cup or EastEnders or The Voice. They're big hit programmes. You know, I produce Have I Got News For You. It breaks through its core demographic. Uh, a hit is watched by all demographics, but you can't get away from the fact that the demographic of BBC One is 58, and I think BBC Two is similar. And slightly so middle class. The truth is, but if, the if these so shows are playing they, on BBC the One, one of the, sorry, yes, if, yes. If, if the BBC Three content, which is being made for online, which the BBC says will have a home on BBC One and BBC Two, when though, at what time yeah, of night? So, but it, yeah. then it's going to reach <coughs> these audiences. No, no, it isn't, because what's going to happen? No. They're not going to play it at a time of night which interferes with their main schedule. They're already telling us they're going to play it late night, yeah. right? But so what, the if truth the trust, is, what if the trust put in safeguards and said, if you do this, they can't do that. 
if you do this, well, well, all, all we would like you to, to schedule this BBC Three content prominently. Prime time? Like, okay. It won't happen. Think of it, they won't do it. They might do you agree, know they won't do you know, it. You know the truth is, money has, in prime time, it, during the week, look at the programming. Most of it was originated 50 years ago. The, the only money spent during the week is post nine o'clock, and on Saturdays, they try and originate shows on Saturday nights, over and over again, and how many, how many new shows launch and how many succeed? Look at how many new shows launch on BBC Three and how many succeed. A lot more. My point about the this thing about don't worry, all the long form will will surface on BBC One and BBC Two, is that what you have is BBC One and BBC Two controllers. They set the schedules with their schedulers. If you think the BBC is one organisation, you're crazy. It's feudal. You know, there are it's a federation of of, of different city states. And BBC One holds no allegiance to BBC Two, and BBC One and Two hold no allegiance at all to this putative BBC Three online. So they may take content, but it will play at 11 o'clock at night. Also, the truth is that it since, won't play in since prime they time. announced the closure in March last year and started destroying BBC Three by taking money out of the channel, there has been no sign of a change of policy on BBC Two or BBC One. If anything, BBC Two is launching shows with older talent. But they've fair? just I mean, hired Chris Evans to take over from the host of Top Gear. Right? They haven't I mean, gone for a new artist. But John, you're one of your biggest brands, Russell Howard's Good News, yes. is now on BBC Two, and yes. they're showing it at 10 o'clock, which, to all intents and purposes, Kim Schellinglaw believes is a... It was launched is, on is BBC a, Three. What, where but, you but, put a hit once it's been launched, there's no way. It but it's now on BBC Two in one of. But that's after one of the Have a good news for started on BBC Two and it moved to BBC One. Yeah. When you have a hit, like let's take the World Cup as an example, right? It doesn't matter where you play it, it will do well and young people will watch it when you've got a hit. How you grow a hit is very, very much a different thing. How many new shows have been grown on BBC One on Saturday nights in the last 10 years? let alone ones for young and people. Uh, but shows can grow later on. But look at Mrs Brown's Boys, for example. That was started at 10.35. It's now the biggest comedy in the UK. Yes, but the point is that Mrs Brown's Boys had a huge following. I mean, you know, he had him selling millions and millions of DVDs. It was a quite a... Cal- it was a very, very good calculated risk. But they played it there, and then it got a big, it, it got a big audience. They moved it in because it got, it got a big it, audience. It, it, what what, what, what yeah. we're talking about is that you're not going to launch on BBC One a brand new comedy with a young piece of talent and grow it at nine o'clock at night. You're not going to do that. And in fact, you're not going to do that at 10.30 at night. BBC One and BBC Two require big names. When we started, BBC Two, you could get away with new com- Angus Deaton, no one had ever, ever heard of him. When I launched I've Got News to You in 1990, nobody had ever heard of him. We couldn't do that now. You know, Jack D is now hosting a panel show. They're trying to find a vehicle for Sue Perkins. So the problem is, is how do you get a wide enough gateway for new talents and new ideas on BBC television? You do it by having BBC Three as a linear television. And also you can grow an online presence. It, co- it doesn't cost that much the, money. The truth is that it is correct that all linear channels will be and should be available via online. Yeah. As, that, as online delu- uh, you know, as high-speed broadband spreads out, blah, 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 but obviously, but it doesn't mean they stop being linear channels. But BBC, People get confused. The BBC is online. It's, the, called, it's yeah. called the iPlayer, which actually, interestingly, I think in the FT they were talking about how the audiences had flattened out. Yes, there has been uh, three-month-on-month three month falls in, in iPlayer viewing, but the BBC is saying that's seasonal. I mean, you guys work with top talent day in, day out. Do they want to do projects online? No. Absolutely not. Not even new talent. 
New None talent, of them. New talent come to me now and they if, say... If no one else will employ them, yeah. then they'll probably do it. <laughs> Shit, I've had a conversation with... <laughs> so the, they will do it. Then. I've had a conversation <laughs> if with... no one else will employ them. Listen, I, I, I've had a conversation with executives at the BBC and they know that if it goes online, that they won't be at the front of the queue when it comes to brand new ideas. ITV2, Channel 4, the Comedy Central will all benefit from the closure of BBC3. That's what they're saying. I had a meeting, I won't say with whom, but at one of their rivals, and they said, we couldn't believe our luck when we heard they were shutting down BBC3. It was one of our main competitors. Okay. BBC3 is a jewel in the BBC's crown. It, it plays to different audiences and it's really successful. And that's why they should keep going with it. Just finally, before we wrap it up, guys, what happens if the trust turn around and agree with this decision from the BBC? Well, we keep going. In fact, we, we ramp it up. Yeah. It, it's such an important thing. It, it cannot happen. So what does that involve? Well, I think what you'll see is it'll be much noisier and much more pointed and aggressive, in a the, good way. The point is it's not just us now. It, it, at the beginning, it, it seemed like it was just us. Sometimes the BBC like to say it's just us, isn't. It's 800 people who are from stars to industry professionals and many, many others that all believe the same thing. There is no shortage of people that think the BBC is making a mistake here. Okay, well, it's going to keep us in work at broadcast at the very least. Well, that's, that's, what, that's what we try and do. <laughs> yeah. Okay, thank, thank you Jay. very much for joining us, guys. Thank you. I appreciate it. If you've enjoyed this and want to hear future episodes, you can uh, go to iTunes and subscribe to Broadcast Talking TV on there. We'll be back next week, but until then, I've been Jake Cantor and the producer was Matt Hill. Goodbye for now. <laughs>